Hey friends, welcome to week 37 of Weekly Finds. Please make sure you are subscribed to TechBound on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts to not miss any future episodes. Today's Weekly Finds revolve around title tag testing, a success story of a SaaS startup that yields $7,000 a month, 25 ways to increase newsletter signups, the future of Medium, and a report that explains why more than half of the people on earth are now using social media. Let's jump right in. One. The first article is a super cool test that Cyrus Shepard ran with the Moz blog. And it basically looks at some common assumptions that SEOs have when it comes to title tags. So basically what Cyrus did is run a couple of A-B tests where he would, for example, take out some boilerplate text or the brand and then look at whether they would convert better or worse from an SEO perspective. And one of the results that he came to was that removing the brand yields a negative result, but then removing boilerplate text had a very positive outcome. And Cyrus's thesis is that that's because Moss is a very popular brand and that Whiteboard Friday does not really need a boilerplate text in the title. And the key lesson for me is that of course, there's no cookie cutter approach or recommendation when it comes to titles. The key to figure out what works for you is always testing, testing, testing. Two. The second weekly find is a success story of Drip. Drip is a product that Rob Wellington accidentally discovered when he was working at another product. And the cool thing is not just that Rob comes from an SEO background, but that he also turned it into a product that returns $7,000 a month. And I'm sure by now it returns much more. One of the things that really stands out in this case study is that Rob did a great job in continuously refining his customers' pain points. And the key lesson for me is that churn is not always caused by your product, sometimes is a pain related to it. Because what Rob found is that his customers weren't churning because his product was bad, but because they didn't have the time to apply it. So in return, he built a customer success team that would help his customers apply his product and then experience core product value. And so it really leaves this lesson for us that it's so important to stay in touch with your customers, also talk to both your churned and retained accounts, and then go really deep on why they failed to apply your product. Was it really your product or was it something else that you could build a solution for? Three. Dan from Inbox Collective provides this really cool deck with 25 ways to sign someone up for a newsletter. And all these tips revolve around positioning of sign-up forms, pop-ups, and how to position your newsletter from a brand perspective. But it also provides many great examples of brands that successfully did it. The key lesson for me here is that fancy isn't always the best way to drive subscribers. Sometimes simple does it. So when you look at the most successful publications that drive readers and subscriptions, they often customize their signup forms to their audience. Four. This is a pretty cool one. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about this. The piece is titled Toward a More Relational Medium, and it's written by F. Williams, the founder of Medium.com. And what he explains is the difference between relational and transactional content consumption. 
Relational content consumption is when you read something from a person, right? You see, read something on kevinindic.com and you basically follow my content and whether I write about content marketing, SEO or growth, you basically consume it. Transactional content consumption is you going out on Google News or Google and looking for a specific topic. So it matters less who wrote it. Of course, it matters on a, on a meta layer, but it matters much more what you're looking for in that moment. And a key lesson for me is that the web has taught us to select headlines in a much more transactional way, but there is also this relational model. And so now as the web is flooded with more content and it's getting so much harder for us to really seek out the gems, we fall back into a more relational model where we actually follow people and publications and less specific content that we're looking for. Five. Last but definitely not least is a big social media report by Hootsuite and it's titled more than half of the people on earth now use social media and it comes with tons of cool facts. Let me give you a taste. Two thirds of the world's eligible population, meaning those older than 13, uses social media. They mostly use it for staying up to date and getting news. The distribution is also heavily geo-skewed, which means that we have a much lower usage in Africa, for example, and way more users in the Western world and Asia, of course. It's also interesting to see that the average user is on nine different social media platforms. So it means there's a big overlap between different platforms. And if a company like Facebook claims to have 2.6 billion users, that might be true, but that means that those users are probably also on other platforms. What's also interesting is that younger people between 16 and 24 years claim to use social media over search engines when conducting research. And that is really interesting because obviously Google doesn't really like that, but it might also explain a lot of the moves that Google made against Facebook in the past and possibly also in the future because it's such an important play for them to sustain as a company. The key lesson for me here is actually TikTok. So TikTok already has about 800 million users. Just for reference, Instagram has about 1.08 billion, so they're not far away from each other. And that could obviously change with India's restriction and the possible breakup enforced by the US government. Just for context, India is one of the biggest markets for TikTok. And you might have also noticed the conversations in the US about breaking TikTok up or specifically forcing the company to sell its US operations. So to me, it was, it's very fascinating to see how far TikTok as a platform has actually come during the duopoly of Google and Facebook. And it's kind of ironic that TikTok became in part so successful because they heavily spent on advertising on Facebook and on Google. But that's a conversation for next week's Weekly Find.